Welcome to the Smallholder Food Business Development Institute, Episode 7, Strive, where we learn how to be safe, trained, respected, invested in, valued, and empowered at work. Welcome to the Smallholder Food Business Development Institute podcast, where we are building profitable food businesses, one product, one process, one thought at a time. Now here's your host, Dr. Michelle Fannin-Steele. Hello, and what is up? It's been an amazing time here over at the Smallholder Food Business Development Institute. I had a great weekend. I actually won a pitch competition for my locker, which is an upcycled shipping container to do safe and inspectable and auditable food production. I was so excited to be there with the New England Sustainable Food Business Institute. It was amazing. We spent a great weekend at St. Joe's. And what was really awesome was I got to talk to a bunch of college students and uh, other enterprises competing about what they really need to grow and develop their local food businesses. And I swear it was amazing because it has so much to do with what we are doing today. If my clients could solve just this one thing around their businesses, it would totally change everything. My company, Dirgo Food Safety and the Smallholder Food Business Development Institute was created because I have this set of skills that the US Army taught me, thank you American taxpayer, that local food businesses need and that they're willing to pay for. And my journey as an entrepreneur has truly been made by my customers and seeking to serve them. And so imagine if you could uncover all of the obstacles to change in your facility. That's what we're gonna cover in this episode. What are the specific steps that you can take to map out both the obstacles and the solutions? I do this process with clients on a weekly basis and it is literally life-changing for them. I wanna arm them with the tools to understand themselves their company and their people that they hire and work with. I've used all of these tools on myself, in my company, and with clients. And the exercises that we are going to do in this podcast, these are designed to make you uncomfortable and to sit with that discomfort and understand that truly, I promise, discomfort doesn't kill you. I invite you to step into discomfort and know that you too can do hard things. You can do the exercises in this podcast. You can change and grow and see your company flourish. Because that's what we're all looking for, right? A way through the pain and the mess of running a company or even seriously just your section of the business and a way to know that we are doing everything that we can to show up to ourselves, 
to our clients, and to our mission. And when you follow Strive, you create the space for these hard conversations, the space for transformation and growth, the space for the change that needs to happen to convert from a workplace culture of, that's not my job, that's above my pay grade, and no one will notice, and general disengagement to a culture where everyone understands how the company creates its product, where they stand in the process, and how they contribute to quality products, which of course results in everybody's paycheck, right? Strive is a systematic approach to understanding where your culture is flagging and creating drag. Strive is about implementing the tools of emotional adulthood at work. For people to feel and work their very best, they need to be safe, trained, respected, invested in, valued, so they can be engaged and empowered. So while I originally conceived this model for executives at manufacturing companies, Strive can work for anyone in any situation. I like use it in my family. Because Strive actually is a leadership paradigm. We're, we're all leaders. It doesn't matter if you're a janitor or a CEO or my kid, you're a leader because the best person to lead is yourself. The more you understand and work on the leadership you bring to yourself, the better leader you will be to others. Every business book out there seeks to define leadership, and so I'm going to give you my definition, which actually I learned in the Army. Leadership is enabling the leadership of others. It is about making sure other people have what they need to succeed. It is not about being served, but serving others. Serving others so that they can do what they need to do. By using the Strive paradigm, you can see where service to others is needed in your company. That's servant leadership. Strive is about being the person and creating the company the world is calling you to create. It is about being emotionally mature and intelligent at work and really in your whole life and working on yourself so that work is more enjoyable and more fulfilling. This isn't something that need only happen at the executive or the management level. And as a matter of fact, I suspect that if emotional intelligence and the servant leadership that resulted happened and was emphasized, we would see dramatic changes in our workplace at the team member level. What would our workplaces look like if people led themselves first and then led others? And as we dive into this work, I really want to call attention to the word feel. The first step to emotional intelligence is understanding that while we are a feelings-driven culture, feelings are not forever, and it is totally possible to live your life without your brain going nuts when something goes wrong. Being able to take a step back, to recognize that our first reaction might not be our best reaction is the start, actually, of standing in observation of your mind and your workplace. 
typically being able to observe yourself removes you and removes your brain from a fraught situation sufficiently in, you know, like in order to be able to react well. Though I would say most of us try not to feel anything at all about work. When someone says that they want to go and work on a passion project, we generally look at them like they are loopy and not actually role models. More and more post-secondary schools are advertising that they will train people for jobs, not for finding their passion. And this podcast is really not about wading into that debate in higher education, but I want to point out that no matter your education and your training, feeling deeply at work is not something we look upon with favorably here in the United States. And why is that? Because frankly, if we spent time feeling our feelings, we might actually find out that our feelings are pretty terrible. We might find out what happens when we tell ourselves the truth about the world around us. We might get scared of maybe the depth of the intensity and the direction of our feelings. I know when I do this work, I can get, I can get pretty deep in and it can be scary. And we might find out that we aren't happy even though we're always working and working and working on being happy. So where on earth does that leave us? Well, it leaves us with the opportunity to create an internal dialogue that actually creates us as emotional adults. It's an internal dialogue that will serve us in our work and in our lives rather than hinder us. But I have to tell you, caveat emptor, buyer beware, because once you march down the path of emotional adulthood and emotional intelligence, it is truly hard to turn back. Figuring out what you need to do in order to live a full and engaged life will, in fact, cause you to change. And, I mean, I got to tell you, I think change is great. Discovering what you're thinking and feeling will actually allow you to grow into the person the world is calling you to be. Those internal conversations will lead to commitments and you will find the courage to follow through on those commitments. And you'll be able to see the changes you need to make in your workplace. So this STRIVE model is actually based on these internal conversations. The model is based on your judgment of how you're feeling at work and how others might be feeling at work. Without practice, you might be wrong about your own feelings, and at best, you're only going to be using reason judgment for how others feel. However, like if we figure out how to know and feel our feelings, we can take the actions we need to implement Strive in the workplace. And I truly have great news, and this is like totally life-changing. I've been doing this work for a while now, and figuring this out has changed everything for me. What I feel is completely up to me. What you feel is completely up to you. And we can direct those feelings by our minds. We can, we can feel our feelings, we can process them, and we can deal with them. And then we can move forward with integrity and purpose in our lives. 
And if we all felt our feelings at work, I promise there would be a lot less drama at work. Feeling your feelings most truly emphatically does not mean vomiting your feelings all over your coworkers by yelling or screaming, demeaning people, throwing things. Alternatively, it doesn't mean crying and sitting in despair while you're actually refusing to work and you're on Facebook and wasting everybody's time. Feeling your feelings looks much more like recognizing them for what they are, locating them where you feel them in your body. Sometimes it's a humming in the ears, sometimes it's a throbbing in the temples, sometimes it's nausea and buzzing in your belly. Like, that's what anxiety feels like to me. I have rarely encountered a feeling that didn't actually have a physical correlation somewhere in my body. Feeling your feelings is actually a super quiet and introspective process and truly great for the introverts among us. Feeling your feelings is about having the emotional intelligence to understand where you are in whatever issue you're confronting and then dealing with it. This is a totally learnable skill and it's a skill that works in every situation and for every feeling. Every time you feel something, if you move towards that feeling, you will make amazing changes in your life. So how are we gonna start this with Strive? So first, I want you to go and find your organization chart. Put the podcast on pause and go digging in your computer for your organization chart. If you don't have one, sketch one out, okay? and put it uh, right next to you, on your left-hand side if you're right-handed and on your right-hand side if you're left-handed, okay? And then go and get a clean piece of paper. Next, decide on a problem that you need to solve in your company. There are probably plenty, plenty of them to pick from, but it's easiest to start with super definable, Things like GMP problems, sanitation problems, or employee problems. And as a matter of fact, as I was writing this podcast, I had an email come in from somebody with the problem of how can we find really good salespeople and the best way to pay them? So I decided in this week's podcast that we're going to tackle that. A lot of people think that really good salespeople are like unicorns. They're super rare, hard to find, and when you drink their blood, it'll make you immortal. Note, I am totally joking. That was a Harry Potter reference. I'm in the middle of rereading the series again to my kids. Okay, so here's what I want you to do. I want you to write your problem at the top of the piece of paper, okay? So at the top of my paper, it's going to say finding really good salespeople and the best way to pay them. Okay, then down the left-hand side, I want you to write the word save and ask yourself the following questions and write the answers down. Do people feel physically safe at your workspace, okay? So for me, my question is, is do people phys feel physically safe around here for a sales job? Okay, so for a sales or an office job, the answer is, you know, like probably yes. 
and because it's unlikely that they're going to get electrocuted while accessing their computers or trip over cords and files and that sort of thing, okay? Not all sales jobs actually work in a physically safe environment, and I can think of probably some call centers where that might be the case, okay? Next, um, do people, probably the owner or other executive staff, feel financially safe around this problem, okay? So I'm answering, do people feel financially safe enough to hire a salesperson? And really dig into this question because it's my experience in marketing and sales that sometimes it's very hard for the CEO to see out of to like see a way out of just paying and paying and paying a sales force that might not actually have any guarantee of delivering results. Or perhaps there are other financial issues going on that might make you hesitant to lay out more money. This absolutely happens. Okay, so the next question is, do people feel emotionally safe around this decision, around this issue, okay? And usually I follow this up with, is there uh, sexual harassment at your job, okay? Is there bullying at your job? Those two things make people feel emotionally unsafe. So in hiring a salesperson, are people gonna feel emotionally unsafe? Is someone afraid that maybe a new sales position will edge them out of a job? Or maybe there, there is emotional safety and what you'll mostly feel is relief. Getting super duper clear on the feelings around safety, physical safety, financial safety, and emotional safety will point you to where your thinking is taking you. Your feelings around this are all caused by thoughts. So let's get super clear on what those thoughts are, okay? Now, keeping going down that piece of paper, write the word trained and ask yourself, is there training? So in my case, is there training for sales to come on? Well, maybe yes, maybe no. It is very easy, I have to tell you, to try and start problem solving here because there are few problems in our work lives that actually aren't made better by training. But I want you to resist that urge. Just document your training obstacles right now, okay? All right, next, I want you to write respected. Is there enough respect in your office, in your workplace, to solve this problem, to get everybody's input on this problem? So in my case, is the sales function respected in the office? Or are the guys kind of stuck off in a corner doing their own thing while everybody tries to ignore them in the pit? Or are folks supposed to have so much awe for sales that they defer to them in like all situations? Likely is it's somewhere in between those two things, okay? And I totally understand if you're feeling at a loss, we're getting there, I promise, okay? Next, let's talk invested in. Has the company invested in the various parts of being able to solve this problem? Okay, in my case, creating the sales team that you want, all right? So I'm asking, are you willing to financially invest in this position? 
Are you willing to invest in the professional development of the sales staff or in others to actually leverage that sales staff? Have you created a reward system that has goals and rewards that are actually meaningful? And I have to tell you, this doesn't always mean money. I know that's the common parlance of sales. That's why people go into sales, okay? But it doesn't always mean money. I want you to think about whether or not you've designed your workspace so that sales can be effective. Are they, you know, ferreted off in a corner where they have no idea what's going on? Okay, or are they incorporated into the design of the workflow? And finally, do you have a way to encourage sales to deepen and enhance their network? This really is a crucial part of the success of sales. So I walked through all of these different ways of investing in employees. We invest in employees financially, we invest in their professional development, we invest in them by creating a reward system, we invest in them by creating good workplace design, and we invest in them by letting them grow their network and understanding that's important for them, okay? So how are you doing that in your workplace? All right, next up valued, right? Valued down there on the left-hand side. And then ask and answer the following questions. Do you have a culture that values people, values their opinions? What, in this case, would happen if sales promises the moon to a customer and now you have to deliver? Because I know none of us have ever been in that situation. Do you have systems in place to balance that out and to work it out, okay? Do you have feedback cycles for people to know how they are doing? So in this case, sales metrics is a great feedback cycle, but I have never been in a place where the sales metrics is truly enough for most people to understand where they are in their job. And then finally, in my case, I would ask, do you see sales in a leadership role in the company? I'm not going to lie, I see every role as a leadership role in the company, and whether or not you see uh, the leadership aspects of the problem you're trying to solve can give you really good evidence about the leadership culture in your company. All right, lastly, I want you to write empowered and then ask and answer the following questions. How empowered are you willing to make people to solve this problem versus like how empowered do they want to be, okay? So for many questions and many obstacles we tackle, the answer is going to be this isn't an issue here, which is fantastic. I mean, you know, a lot of us work with really great people and we hand them an issue to solve and they go out and solve it, okay? So that part isn't your obstacle, okay? For for all the other parts in the in the model, safe, trained, respected, invested in, and valued, you're going to figure out by going through this exercise that you either haven't thought about these issues or that you need to address them in your workspace. And if you did this, you've discovered the obstacles to solving the problem you identified up in the model, okay? By using this Strive model, 
And again, STRIVE stands for safe, trained, respected, invested in, valued, and empowered. You have just discovered a super powerful way to uncover the obstacles to problem solving and growth in your business. Okay, now that we've discovered all of these obstacles, let's do something about it because I really don't like having obstacles and not having a plan to overcome them. So I want you to flip that piece of paper over or get yourself a new piece of paper, whichever makes you happy. Turn it so it's landscape and I want you to draw two lines top to bottom dividing the page into three parts. On the left-hand side, which is like our first column, I want you to write the word documents, okay? This is where you're gonna list out all the documents you're gonna have to write to solve this problem. Most of the clients I work with are inspected in one way or another, and all of that inspection drops itself back into documentation at some point. So we might as well keep a list of those documents. Okay. In our case about a sales job, maybe it's just like a super clear job description. Okay. Maybe it's a contract that spells out base plus commission. Whatever documents you think that you are going to need to write or rewrite. All right. In the middle column, I want you to write actions. This is where you're going to write down everything that you have to do, preferably with due dates, to overcome the obstacles that you found in the Strive model. And then on the right, put down leadership. Here's where you're going to list out the cultural or leadership issues you need to address to solve the problem. So now go back to the other side of the paper and start with the first obstacle you identified. And so say that obstacle was the CEO's reluctance to spend money to hire salespeople. Then flip the page back over and say, are there documentation problems with that? Probably not. Are there actions to take? Absolutely. The CEO needs to go and understand her thoughts and feelings around the sales job to make a reasoned decision. Are there leadership issues? Well, if it's the CEO, likely there is. And then I would ask, how can people on the org chart be in service to each other to solve this problem, okay? What I want you to do is repeat this process for every obstacle you identified, okay? Ask yourself, look at the obstacle, are there documentation problems, are there actions, and are there leadership issues for everything that you identified in the STRIVE model, okay? Then, and only then, do you pull out the calculator and figure out the math problems? All business problems I have found boil down to one of two things. They are either drama problems or they are math problems. We just sketched out using the model how to solve the drama problems. And I promise the math problems are a piece of cake after that. As you look at due dates, give yourself no more than 90 days to solve your problem and solve it, whether it's feeling financially safe, whether it's, you know, fixing something so that uh, a salesperson can work effectively, whether it's having a leadership conversation with the marketing team so they don't feel like sales is taken over. That's how we do it, okay? And wasn't that awesome? Because, you know, this 
really will empower you to solve any business problem. And if you take it home, I promise it'll work with your kids too, okay? And like, you know by now, because I'm me, there's an awesome freebie because you stuck with me this long, okay? I want you to go to sfbdi.com slash episode seven and go get our Strive handout. Get started implementing this amazing model on your own. I know it's totally hard to show up to your problems sometimes. It is easier to blame, to worry, to stress, and to drop yourself into confusion. Those all feel super productive, but I promise they're not. This strive process is uncomfortable because it takes you out of stress and blame and confusion and gets you into problem solving. So it is uncomfortable, and it's supposed to be. That, my friends, is how you know you're moving forward. Have a great week. Hey there. If you like what we talk about on this podcast, you just have to join us over at the Power Group. We take all this material and we study it, and then we take it to the next level and we apply it. Join us by going to sfbdi.com slash powergroup. That's sfbdi.com slash powergroup. You've been listening to Dr. Michelle Fannin-Steele on the Smallholder Food Business Development Institute podcast. We hope you loved the show. For more information and show notes, please find us at sfbdi.com. Thanks for listening.